broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Presented by Tequila Embajador. So, Lincoln, um, before we went to break, uh, you know, I was, I was tipping my cap to Mike Mayock and his staff and what John Gruden uh, and his staff uh, ha- have done in terms of uh, building this roster. And, you know, the addition of Gus Bradley, I think they, they were squared away on offense. Uh, I think John Gruden knows what he needs in offensive players, and uh, he's able to articulate that uh, to the scouting staff and to Mike Mayock, and they have their marching orders, and they go find players that fit what John Gruden is doing. And I think it, it's been – um, a a prudent process building this offense, and 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 you see it. Some of the things that they're doing with their three tight ends, uh, you know what they're able to do with Darren Waller. And by the way, that was no gimme, Darren Waller. Um, that was a find by the Raiders. Uh, a lot of credit to Greg Olson. Um, he saw <laughs> Darren Waller on the field before a game that the Raiders played against, against the Ravens. The Ra- yeah, yeah, against the Ravens mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Went back to the locker room and said and realize this guy's on the practice squad. We don't have anybody that looks like this dude. Um, yeah. You know, let's see if we can try to go get this guy, which they were able to do. Uh, it's not a gimme when things like that happen. Um, and, and you know, the, the drafting that they've done and bringing in players and, and et cetera, et cetera. Have they hit on every free agency move? No. A lot of times injuries have played a role. Trent Brown, when he was on the field, was a really good football player. Getting him on the field was uh, proved to be yeah, a, a challenge. challenge. <laughs> right. And then I think the addition of, of, of Gus Bradley, you know, and talking to Mike Mayock and, and talking about how Gus and Ron Milas and, and Richard Smith and, and Rod Marinelli, how they're, you know, kind of in, just so good at articulating what it is that they're looking for. And that is half the battle, Lincoln. You can't just say, go get me a defensive end. Well, okay. What exactly do you need in a defensive end? Like in, in your scheme, with what you're doing uh, uh, defensively, what traits are you looking for? Whether it's your Sam linebacker, your Will linebacker, uh, your box safety, your free safety, all of those things need to be expressed to Mike Mayock and his staff. And then that staff needs to go out and find those kinds of players and then bring them back to the coaching staff. What do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? Um, and the synergy that's needed for that to be a successful proposition it doesn't just happen. You have to have qualified, good people in place uh, that are executing that and communicating with that, setting aside egos, understanding that there might be some arguments uh, that you have to work your way through, but ultimately having the same goal in mind um, and the same bottom line uh, in mind. And I think you saw that with this draft, um, what Gus kind of is looking for and his staff is kind of looking for. Um, and in free agency and some of the moves that they did and obviously on, with John on the other side. But, you know, I kind of sat back, Lincoln, and I don't know if you do this as well. You, you sometimes get caught listening to the national uh, analysts and the national pundits, and, and they paint an entirely different picture. Um, there was somebody on a national radio show that said this was the worst roster that John Gruden had, literally. And, and this is a prominent voice out there. And I'm like, what are you looking at? Like, like, are you really say? how can you really say that? And so sometimes the fans get caught up in that as well. But when you look at this roster, Lincoln, it's, it, it makes sense. And it has been making sense. It just wasn't able to happen overnight. But there was always, to me, I felt like it's always been moving in the right direction under Gruden. 
Well, I don't necessarily know if it was always moving in the right direction, but it had to be worked on, as you talked about. I mean, yeah. one thing that I can appreciate since Gruden took over and he decided to turn over the roster, you know, when, when he decided to get rid of Cooper and Mack and get some, you know, get some, some back, he, he dressed it, you know, by going out and getting Jacobs and Farrell and Abraham to start. And then they had, you know, a couple good drafts and it proved that Max, Max Crosby was, was a, a diamond in a rough, if you will. Um, but ever since that point, whatever the team needed was addressed either through free agency aggressively or through the draft. And last year, you know, not this past draft, but the one before, the case in point, when they needed wide receivers because wide receivers were obviously depleted. That's when they went out and they drafted Edwards and Ruggs and stuff like that. Um, they addressed it. And then sometimes some people say, well, they overdid it because they did more than enough. Well, I mean, it turns out that you weed through some, and because the draft is a crapshoot, you just got to figure out which, who's best for your system, and then you move on. This past draft, when they needed – you know, defensive help. They already addressed the defensive line and defensive ends in the, the uh, in free agency pretty much, but they need defensive help, so they went out and drafted defensive backs and safeties and, and, and stuff like that and linebackers. So, um, you know, it has been coming together. They've, they've decided to build up through the draft uh, uh, for the most part, and a lot of the free agencies, the, the decisions they made, they weren't all, you know, all, all you know, straight good ones they were there were some misses the Trent Brown was was most notably but at the time they needed to do it because they had a blaring hole it was the right tackle spot and you didn't have anything that that they any way you could address it what you had put in place did not work for you and so you know they had to overspend on Trent Brown I know it's a mistake they wish they didn't have to do but I mean they did it and you learn from it so uh, I like where the roster is going it's just that you got to move the the window of opportunity Vinny is is really really short. It, you you got to win now and you got to win big now because you know there's going to be some hard decisions you have to make whether it's your quarterback next year or whether it's the three upcoming rookies. You know who 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 do you keep? You can't pay everybody and so it's you're going to have some hard decisions to make. Well, the good news is um Last I checked, anyway, I think they're like $50 million under the salary cap or projected Good. to be un- under the salary cap. So they, they will have um, some space uh, available. Uh, now, having said that, and this is the other trick that they're going to uh, – or obstacle that they're going to have to confront at some point is K.J. Wright's on a one-year deal. I think yep. Denzel I think Denzel is two, two years this year and next year, I believe. Um, so you have to start looking also. Casey Hayward, I believe, is on a one-year deal. Yep. So um, that's where, you know, some of the young players need to really, like a, like a Damon Arnett, this is a big year for Damon Arnett, not only for this year, but potentially for next year. Because let's just say, uh, and this is a long ways off, but let's just say Casey Hayward moves on. Well, it sure would be nice if Damon Arnett spends this year really getting his career uh, in order and is, is a guy that by next year is ready to say, you don't have to resign Casey Award. I'm here and I'm ready to take this job uh, and 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 be a be an asset uh, for you uh, moving forward. So, you know, keep an eye on that. But 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 by and large, um, I, I, really I, I will say this, Vinny: the the true testament of what Mayock and Gruden have been able to do is exactly the but what you spoke on to have a pro. A, as a, like a Casey Hayward, like a KJ Wright, or like a lot of these guys sign a one-year deal, doesn't really happen a lot. You see what I'm saying? You, I mean, let, let's face it. You don't usually have a middle linebacker of KJ Wright's prestige and, and, and accolades sitting on the open market. 
True. You know, after training camp. You see what I'm saying? But the, the decision that Seattle wanted to move on without him left the opportunity open for Mayock and Gruden to negotiate a deal. Hey, we've got a guy, and probably, and as you mentioned earlier in the first hour, it had something to do with Gus Bradley. Hey, Gus is down here coaching. We need a linebacker. Come, you know, show your value, show your worth, play your butt off, and we'll talk about rewarding you with a bigger deal, uh, you know, uh, or, or a grander deal uh, maybe next year. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely within the realm of possibility that that's exactly what he does, um, you know, and, and, and is back next year. But um, for, for I, I just feel like I don't know why, you know, whether maybe John Gruden is just kind of a target because he's always, you know, he's a character and he's on commercials and he's on TV for so long and the other Chucky persona uh, and, and, and all that. But I just feel like, um, you know, there's there's a lot of shots that he takes and, I, you know, I, I, I'm just having somebody that's covering the team. I'm like, well, you know, not every move is going to work out, obviously. You're naive to think that it would. But by and large, it just makes sense how they're doing it. And, and I contend this as well, uh, Lincoln. The rebuild job that he took over was vast. It was legitimately vast. Not just from a talent standpoint, because the talent was just erratic it wasn't there wasn't a lot of talent uh here save for a player here or a player there but the salary cap was a mess uh there was dysfunction there was no stability Derek Carr was there was a different offensive coordinators and different different uh, defensive coordinators there just wasn't much stability and I don't think people quite realize the daunting task it is rebuilding a team on the fly in the NFL, especially Lincoln, when you have to do it on both sides of the ball. They were lucky that they had a quarterback in place that they were going to be able to build with and and, and work around. Um, and at the time, he was making a lot of money. Now he's not making as much money. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to do something about that uh, fairly soon, I would imagine. But it was good that they had that, but they didn't have much else um, in terms of depth and uh, weapons and, and uh, running backs, all of that, a punter, a kicker. There were a lot of holes on this roster, and it was going to take time uh, to, to, to rebuild it. And with just so many draft picks to work with each year and just so much money to be able to work with under the salary cap. And oh, by the way, Lincoln, the salary cap this year went down by $20 million. And when you say that it went down by $20 million, you might as well say it went down by 30 to $40 million because this is what happens in the NFL. You know it as well as, 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 well as anybody. When you're projecting your salary cap or, or your roster uh, and signings, if you're, if you're making signings in, let's say, 2019 and you're signing a, four, and you're, you're signing a guy to a four-year deal, you're also projecting that Four years later, that salary cap will have gone up by ten to fifteen million dollars every single year because that's what it's always done. Okay, so by twenty twenty one, that salary cap should have really been about two hundred twenty million dollars. Okay, instead it went down to one hundred eighty million dollars, which that's a forty million dollar difference of what you're projecting it to be. And it was—I'm not saying it was chaos that it created. But all of a sudden, the Raiders, who were thinking that they were, you know, uh, going into last year, let's say, were thinking that they would have, you know, two hundred twenty million dollar uh, salary cap to work with, now are at one hundred eighty million dollars. So when you talk about Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson, that's why they had to make those types of moves 
to make sure the a get under the hundred to get to 180 million dollars where it fell to, but then also to create money to you want to go get unique in Gakwe? Where's the money under the cap going to come from? You want to you know re-sign Colton Miller, who you want to get you know um, uh, at a, at a favorable deal. Where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to be to go sign Casey Hayward uh, and, and, and make some of the moves that they've made across the board? Well, that's where a, vo- a, a veteran that was making a lot of money in both Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson at the age that they were became so vulnerable. And it was, you know, everyone's like, why are you rebuilding the offensive line? Well, did you see that the sal- where the salary cap went? It's more complicated, Lincoln, than, than it's not Madden uh, 21 is what I'm saying. It's, there's... <laughs> There's real dollars and real money and real rules to contend with. And that's that's why your window of opportunity is shortened. Yeah. You know, the fact that you see a lot of teams, you were talking about the youth, and, you know, watching that Green Bay and Detroit game, I was surprised to see how many, you know, first-year players, first-year starters were out there for both teams. Uh, because, you know, you, there's a point where you kind of have to start over and try to get the most out of these rookie deals, these young people's deals, because then they're not, you're not, you're not paying the, you know, the quarterback or everyone else, uh, 25, $45 million a year. KJ Wright literally told us, I don't know if you heard this quote. He, he was pissed off. He spent the entire offseason pissed off. As Why? it should be. Because they yeah. went to Seattle wouldn't sign him, resign him. And he thought, well, but I mean, this is, this is where, you know, guys have to understand it, it, it's a business. You might yeah. not be, you, you know, you might not, you might feel disrespected because they no longer prioritize you. They wanted to prioritize their safety, Jamal Adams, and they're out both of their safeties, as well as their, their left tackle, Dwayne Brown. That was where the priority of the, of the money was going. That's, that's going to happen. So, you know, you, you can be, you can be pissed off. You know, the, 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 and that they didn't sign you, but at the same point, use that energy to understand that it's a business. Take your stuff elsewhere. Yeah, and I think he did. Well, what, what he was really saying, too, was nobody was offering him a It wasn't just Seattle wasn't, right. you know. Uh, it was because he's, he's one of those guys that's got to a certain age, had a certain number in mind uh, of, of what he's worth. And, I'm, and I, I almost guarantee you he is actually, in terms of production and play, still worth that number. But in the way the system works, it's not necessarily justifiable to give him that number if you're a team. Um, and, 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 you know, when, when this new format was put in place, every NFL executive, every agent really that you talked to said the people that are going to be the most vulnerable and eventually get aced out are the K.J. Wrights of the world and maybe even the Casey Haywards of the world. Good players that you can't justify giving the same kind of money to year after year after year right? Um, because of the way everything works and who you have to pay. And eventually, just as the Seattle Seahawks did, just as the Raiders did with Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, said, you know what? We got to find younger and really let's, let, 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 let's, let's uh, uh, bottom line it, cheaper replacements now. That's because- the big thing. The, the, yeah, you mentioned cheaper. And the yeah. fact that they've got the cap space was going to allow them to do things to make those decisions, whether they want to, you know, lock a Josh Jacobs. I'm just throwing things out there, not saying they have any knowledge of it, but whether right. they want to lock a Josh Jacobs up before he gets to free agency. And, and it might even be that time when, when it comes around for his stuff that he might not be, he might be undervalued as a running back. We've seen right. tr- traditionally how around the league the, the, the value of a running back has not necessarily been consistent. So, you know, these are hard decisions that you have to make. That's why, you know, it's imperative that you win and get as much win as you can right now. Uh, and this is a very critical season for, for a lot of guys. 
And I feel, honestly, I feel bad for Josh Jacobs because this is a year for him. Um, and let's, you know, for his sake, uh, as a as one human to another, uh, forget about, you know, uh, everything else. This is a year where teams decide, basically, are we going to put a ring on it again and, and renew the vows at a, at a much higher uh, price or not? And for him to have already started this season injured, I, I mean, if you're, if you're any team, the Raiders included, you have to take that into account when you start deciding, is this somebody that we want to continue on with beyond the five years that we have him under control? Um, and it's going to get to a point, Lincoln, where you know going into your fourth year is when teams have to decide whether to pick up the fifth-year option. Yep. All right? That's when that happens. And if you decline it, you, know, you could always re-sign the player um, to a longer-term deal, but... It basically sends the message where I'm not sure that, you know, um, it's going to be working out beyond this year. And that's what happened with Solomon Thomas. You know, going into his fourth year, the 49ers said, we're not picking up your fifth year. Then he went, goes out and in a year where he was trying to basically either audition for a long-term contract with the San Francisco 49ers or elsewhere, unfortunately for him, he suffers a season-ending knee injury. Right. And... Every team in the league is now, well, if you're going to come to us, it's going to have to be really on our terms. Absolutely. Just to, just to see if you have, you know, uh, if, if the knee is okay. It's a vulnerable position, Lincoln, right now for, for where Josh is. No doubt. And, and, and again, it's one, of those, it's one of those things where I think that having gone through it, you know, you're, it's, it's hard to, to balance the business versus, you know, people saying their value or what is they're describing their value. I mean – Lincoln, Lincoln, yeah. how much? Did, how much? Sorry to cut you off there, but but you just spurred something in me. How much do you think about it, honestly? How much do you think about what? That the, when when your value, when you're, yeah. Well, when you're in a situation where you know what the business is all about, you know um, what's at stake, uh, you know what you think you're worth, um, and and it's, it might not be happening along the lines of what you think where it, be, it should be headed in terms of the money, in terms of the commitment. How much are you thinking about that as a player? Like, how much should Josh Jacobs be thinking about that right now? I'm sure he's thinking about it quite a bit. I mean, Josh wants to play. We know yeah. that. We know that he, he's the guy, type of guy that wants to play, wants to be out there. He'll go out there and, and be hurt. However, if you look at his, his history, he hasn't finished the season yet. And he's already starting off missing two games in the beginning. I mean, yeah. so I, it, it's – it's to me it's also where you come back to management managing his load well you manage his load so much that he's not even available for you yeah yeah so how are you supposed to prove your value if you're worth if you're not out there yeah and 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 again you know you're you're in this regard i don't have any dog in the hunt i'm not a raider fan or anything uh, along those along those lines but you know, from a humanistic standpoint, you want all those guys to get every penny that they absolutely are worth. But then there's a circumstance, and like you said, that running back position is so unique nowadays in terms of how it's viewed, how it's paid, uh, how teams just ultimately decide we're moving on. Even the good ones that have no injury history necessarily get to that point where teams are like, 
you know what? We'll just go draft another one because we can't justify making a five-year, four-year commitment at big dollars right. when it can go like that for a running back. And history shows that it normally starts going downhill at a certain point. So um, we'll see where it's all headed uh, for, for Josh Jacobs. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignore and Lincoln Kennedy, uh, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m., uh, on a Wednesday, it is brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And just a reminder, we'll be back uh, over at uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill Saturday at 5 o'clock. Want to meet everybody and hang out, watch some great college football games, talk about the Raiders. I'm an open book. you have any questions, uh, I'm here to, to answer them. Just a, a great chance just to kind of hang out, have some fun, uh, and get to know one another. That's the Rockstar Bar and Grill, 5 p.m., this Saturday, the day before the Packers, or the Packers, the day before the Raiders host the Miami Dolphins over at Allegiant Stadium. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. I just like execution. You know, I really do. We, we uh, we were good on third down last year. We were good in the two-minute drill. We did some good things scoring the football. We still have plenty of areas to clean up. But, yeah, I mean, when you call a play that works, whether it's a short yardage conversion or a goal line conversion or a long big play, you, you know, you have to get excited about something. There's enough negativity out there to, to kill any rat right now. So, you know, I do get excited when we make a good play, especially a big play, an explosive game. That's John Gruden uh, talking today about rats and negativity. Um, and, you know, he's right. I see it all the time uh, on, on Twitter. It just seems to be so much easier to criticize and uh, and, and, and be negative and, and all that. Um, just chill. Enjoy it. Uh, it's football. It's the NFL. Um, let it play out. Uh, even Derek Hart, when I asked him on Sunday in Pittsburgh, you know, not many people thought you guys would be 0-2 given the opponents and the way the schedule played out and a short week and all that. And he's like, you know, and he even pointed at his brother a little bit, David, who's part of the whole, I wouldn't say problem, and he was laughing and kiddingly saying it, but he's like, the worst thing ever are these preseason predictions because you're, you're, you're going on, you know, last year and things have changed and guys get better and coaching changes and additions and draft picks. It's like, it's almost pointless and useless. Uh, you have to get out there and play. And as Derek said, you know, if you're, if you're on top of your details and you're on top of uh, execution and, and all that good stuff, generally speaking, good things can happen. And if you've done the right things in the off season, forget about last year and forget about the predictions but it makes the world go round uh and 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 it is what it is and i've always said this lincoln you want love you want support um you want the accolades you want the flowers go out there and win football games and win them consistently and i know the raiders understand that and that's what they're setting out to do i've never liked preseason polls <laughs> i've never liked it i, I damn sure don't appreciate it in college because in you and you really don't have a true assessment when you look at preseason uh, football, NFL football. But for college, you know, those early polls, uh, they, they stink. And it, yeah. You, you never, it, I've always felt you never know how good you are until you play against somebody. Because everybody can look, look like you know, the, the, the all pros in sweats and helmets. 
or shorts and helmets. But, you know, you got to get out there and play somebody and strap it up. That's when you, you show me. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So I, I, I've never paid any attention to preseason polls, and that's why I don't even like giving predictions on season, how many games you think somebody's going to win. I don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It looks pretty good to me. Um, yeah. And, and you know, and uh, you, you try to base it on what, you know, you did see last year or where the roster is. But I, I felt good that the Raiders were going to be uh, in a much better place this year. Now they got to go out uh, and, and win games. I guess, you know, Lincoln, that's the one good thing that this college football playoff system, which has a bunch of flaws in its own right. But at the very least, they wait a few weeks what almost half the season, really, if I remember correctly, before they start putting out their playoff, uh, um, you know, rankings, and right. and they give it some time for teams to uh, define themselves and and play and you know all that good stuff. Uh, so I give them a little bit of credit for at least doing that because I'm with you. The preseason rankings are useless. Uh, hey, real quick, just want to let you know uh, that uh, you can now have. Uh, Demon Rum shipped directly to you. Uh, just go to drinkdemonrum.com. The more you buy, the better the deal is. And now, for being a fan, uh, you can get 10% off your total order. Enter DemonVinny10 in the coupon code. That's DemonVinny10 at drinkdemonrum.com. Go stock up, whether it's a party that's coming up, uh, game days, the holidays are right around the corner. Uh, so uh, do yourself a favor, drinkdemonrum.com, punch in the code DEMONVINNY10 and get 10% off your next uh, order of uh, Demon Rum. Uh, but yeah, Lincoln, um, it's just it's the, 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 the preseason stuff and all of that. It makes the world go around and the NFL and everything else is a, uh, it's a year-round proposition. You have to talk about something. You have to write something uh, as well. Um, so that's, that ends up you know, what yeah. we do. But I, I, I've pointed to this for a while now. I think the Phoenix Suns were predicted on the over-under you know, the, the, when, the, when, the, when the betting people put it out. Last year, they, they were uh, 34 on the over-under. I think they ended up winning 50-something games or close to it, 48 games, something along those lines, and made it to the NBA Finals. There's no reason... And that happens, Lincoln, on a year-to-year basis, whether it's baseball, football, basketball. Uh, somebody always breaks through. Somebody always surprises. And so even when you see the over-under and, you know, you want to make the argument that the, the, the you know, Las Vegas or whoever those guys are that are putting it all together, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Eh, not always, Lincoln. They don't always <laughs> know what they're right? No, they don't. No, they don't. I mean, it's it, it's really it's, it's a guessing game. But, you know, the thing is is that, yeah, when when you go out there and you see the way the team has started, and again, we, we small sample size, two games. You see where the Raiders are, you possibly where they can go. You know, you're always going to have those people, and you know this, Vinny, are going to be looking forward. Well, if we get here, then we can get to four and zero, and then we get get to five and zero. No, why are you overlooking anybody? You can't afford to overlook anyone uh, because there's still, even though they're two and zero, there's still a lot of holes, and we've been talking about it all week. There's still there's still a level of concern. You know what I mean, and it should, it very well should be, um, but but it's it's good that you're you, you, the coaching is accepted much better when you're winning rather than losing. Absolutely, and what which is why I like what Derek Carr uh, said today when we were talking to him, and I brought up last year. Hey, let's face it, uh, Lincoln. Last year, the Miami Dolphins defense handled a pretty good Raiders offense last mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were one of the few teams to really lock them down. That was a 
I forget. I don't think the Raiders even got to twenty. I'm, I'd have to look back to see uh, if they did or not. But if not, it was it was pretty. It was right around there. They struggled for a lot of that game, and and it was struggled wasn't in because, the red zone. Yeah, exactly, and and it wasn't necessarily because they just weren't on top of things. That Dolphins defense is no joke. Um, and yeah, when they were in the red zone, I remember now I'm thinking back to that game, people were like, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you, I was seeing guys get covered up in that oh, yeah. game. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, I remember watching and bits and pieces. It was, it was like the primary receivers were taken every option that Derek, when he had it down there and they struggled to score touchdowns, they, they, they couldn't score touchdowns. They had to settle for field goals. And that's one of the reasons I, it really, the, the game could have been out of reach if they would have put touchdowns on the board because all, Miami's offense was struggling. That's why they made the change to, to, to Fitzpatrick. They did. And the final actually was 26 to 25. I was off a, a little bit. But, um, yeah, the Raiders 7 and 6 in the first two quarters. The Dolphins 3 and 3 in the first two quarters. So they're up 13 to 6. Uh, the Miami scores 7 points. Yeah, so, I mean, it just it wasn't. The Raiders averaged uh, 27, 28 points a game last year. I know they got to 25, but um, it was it was kind of late where they when they when they got to that point. Um, and you're right, they they cooked way, kicked way too many field goals. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, six mm-hmm. field goals in that mm-hmm. game, one touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and if they, if, they had a, if half of those would have been touchdowns, the game would have been out of reach. Right, and but you know. Uh, Good for the Raiders to remember that, and Derek Carr did, and 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 he said, "Look, you know, uh, we're not in a position to really be looking uh, uh, overlooking anybody. This team beat us last right. year." Uh, Derek Carr said uh, they came into Allegiant Stadium uh, and beat the Raiders and held a really good offense uh, to one touchdown, basically yeah. by my yeah. by my account, looking at the box score. Um, so. This isn't a game, and I don't get the sense, Lincoln, uh, that this is a team. No, I, really. I don't either. I don't. I don't get the sense they're not there yet. I mean, they're really. If anything, you, you take at value what what you've been able to do the first two games, and you're 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 feeling better about yourself because now, as we've mentioned and as we've talked about, now you've got a defense that's going to get some stops. So you know that that you know that that is. I mean, that is really priceless when you think about it, Benny, because now if you're Gruden, you know, you don't always have to look over your shoulder like, well, you know, how do I and, and you don't have a running game. Well, how do I keep the clock? I mean, how do I keep the you know possession? How do I keep the clock moving? Because there was parts in the Pittsburgh game where they were scrambling. Mm-hmm. They were they were they were scrambling to, to move the ball and, and didn't, you know, have a lot of you know, there were some times where they didn't have productive series, especially when they were trying to kill the clock. So, you know, not having that run game makes it definitely hard. So, I mean. Uh, and, but they 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 found a way to get over the hump. Well, look at it this way, Lincoln. Let's not forget how that game against the Miami Dolphins ended and why it was in the position that it was in yep. as well. Don't let's not forget the Dolphins were begging the Raiders to, to score, score a touchdown. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And 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 it might have just been the week before or a couple of weeks before or at some point very relatively um, soon before. The Raiders had scored the touchdown uh, late in the game um, against the Kansas City Chiefs and just left too much time on the clock. Yep. And lo and behold, the Chiefs go down and score a touchdown to win it. So they were trying to avoid that situation. And it ended up their defense still couldn't um, yeah. uh, hold the lead. So it, it literally, the defense literally changed uh, the way the Raiders approached the game and approached the end of the game and why because john gruden 
understood I don't have a defense here. Mm -hmm. And I have to Mm -hmm. literally coach around that reality. It dictated what he did against the Miami Dolphins and decided I'm going to just drain as much clock as uh, as possible, kick a field goal rather than take the touchdown that this team is literally trying to give us because I'm not comfortable if I leave – the Miami Dolphins, even in the state that the Miami Dolphins were in, which is not a good place offensively, because I just don't have confidence in this defense to be able to stop it. I'd rather just take a smaller lead and take all of their timeouts le- uh, out and give them 19 seconds left. Um, well, tell me, it, it, I, look, it, for what it's worth, it's <laughs> not, it doesn't normally happen. I mean, I knew he was playing the percentages. It, it doesn't normally happen like that where you can go down the length of the field to get a field goal. But, I mean, I was of the mind when it happened. I wanted, I said, take the damn touchdown. Take the touchdown. Put, make, it, make it that much harder because then they have to drive the length of the field to get a touchdown to beat you rather than a field goal. Especially but you, that it's field but goal you also understood what. Oh, I understood why he did it. No, I understood. I understood totally why he did what he did. I just I had a difference of thought pattern. Thought no, process. No, no, and, and I agree with you too. I probably would have taken the touchdown. But at the, what I guess what we're trying to say here is that everything, so much of what John Gruden did last year was trying to coach around or deal with the flaw the of your defense. defense. I totally get he it. Couldn't totally he get couldn't, it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and to your point. Imagine now the comfort level where you don't have to call a game uh, that deals not just with the defense that you're playing, but your own defense on your own sidelines. Like you're almost competing with two defenses in that regard, Um, you know, trying to beat one team, one defense and trying to protect your defense. That's not a good place to be in. Um, It's too tough. Too many many thinking of trying to cover too many options. Yeah. And so I would think now – his play calling, and it are, I, we've already seen it, his play calling has already reflected his own kind of acknowledgement. Like, I, I might actually have a pretty good defense here, so I'm going to be able to open up a little bit more. I don't have to necessarily wor- worry about draining as much clock anymore or you know, uh, trying to hold on to the ball for as long as possible because I don't want the other offense to have it. He can open it up a little bit more, and maybe, yeah. you know, maybe that will lead to a more creative – uh, situation down, you know, in, in the red zone. Although, you know, Sunday against the Steelers, three trips to the red zone early on and three field goals. They want to get away from that uh, as much oh, yeah. as possible. Um, let me ask you this. How much does running the ball, being able to run the ball, change that maybe uh, when they're in the red zone? Uh, well, it, may, it means a lot. But, you know, settling for three field goals is, I mean, you don't want to. But, again, you also have to get some points out of it. Not having balance, and, and and it condenses. Once you get in that area, it condenses. You don't have as many, uh, you don't have as many options or ways, places you can go with the ball without worrying about a turnover, passing the ball. Yeah, for sure. And having a better defense again helps, yeah. even in that regard uh, as well. Hey, don't forget uh, Saturday night, five o'clock, Rockstar Bar and Grill. We will be out there, live music, uh, great food, great drinks. Uh, come join us again on Saturday, just like you did Sunday a couple Sundays ago. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, I, I loved meeting with everybody, talking Raider football, talking NFL football. We're going to be able to watch some great college games uh, this week. So Saturday, five o'clock till whenever. Uh, over at the Rockstar Bar uh, and Grill on Las Vegas Boulevard. Can't wait to see you guys the day before the Raiders play the Miami Dolphins over at Allegiant Stadium. That's going to be our spot uh, this year, uh, uh, at every the day before every home game. So hope to see you in the huddle. Lincoln Kennedy, 
Mini Monster brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Lincoln, my guy Doby uh, on Twitter sent me this, uh, DM me this, and uh, it, it, it brought back some, uh, I'm sure, some bad memories for him and every other Raider fan. Uh, Lincoln, last year against the Miami Dolphins, the Raiders were 0 and 10 on third downs. Yeah, and and I, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was some somewhere during that time where they had one of the stats that that stuck out as their third down efficiency. Um, uh, was was one of them was one was 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 high. It was good. It was a good stat to have third down efficiency. But you know, one of the things that plagued him, and we knew this. That's one of the reasons why they went and got Leatherwood. Short yardage and goal line deep, and goal line offense was left left a lot to be desired. Yeah, and also that is the game, uh, Lincoln, that uh, Derek Carr had strained his quad um, against the Chargers the Thursday the week before. Right. Um, and there was a question whether, whether Derek Carr would play. He did play, uh, but not quite sure, you know, how healthy he, he, he was necessarily. Uh, and it just was a struggle. I remember that game being a struggle offensively, which is why I say the Dolphins, especially coming off the game that they just had against the Buffalo Bills, where um, they just got embarrassed in that game. I watched that game. It was a, a pathetic offensive performance. It was embarrassing. They lose their quarterback uh, in the process. Uh, now they have their backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. Um, but the team itself, you don't like to lose a game like that where, where no. you're just flat out getting embarrassed. And your only retribution, Lincoln, in a, in a situation like that is whoever the next opponent is. Right. That's who you take out your frustrations on. So I would expect that the Miami Dolphins – are going to be coming into Las Vegas with uh, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and a little bit of a desire to get back on track and to redeem themselves. As they should. And then you take down one of the unbeatens. Now, I mean, that's the, the, you don't need more motivation than that. But I, you know, I, I remember, you know, the, we, we, this is funny. We never played well in South Beach because we were always hanging out whenever we went down to of play Miami. But, but I'm, I'm wishing, I'm hoping that the, the Dolphins who come into Vegas would do the same thing. So they'll be a little tired on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's, that's funny. And, and I would imagine <laughs> that, you know, uh, that's probably going to play a little bit of a role uh, here uh, in, in Las Vegas. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, same thing when, you know, NBA teams go to Miami or Los Angeles or, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Or, or New York, uh, you just know how it is. All that said, Lincoln, <laughs> I just think the, I do believe the Raiders are the better team going into this game. Uh, I think that the offensive line woes of the Miami Dolphins, I think I just saw a stat where they're giving up the most pressure. I think it's 54% of the times their quarterbacks drop back. They've been, they've been playing under pressure. That That's a really high number um, of times that where you're putting your quarterback in duress where it's like real pressure. And it just so happens that this offensive line that's a little beaten up and battered and just simply not that good right now, or at least not effective, with their backup quarterback who hasn't really shown a great history of dealing with pressure, all of a sudden the Miami Dolphins come into Allegiant Stadium looking across the line of scrimmage at a Raiders defense that, believe it or not, Raider fans, is one of the best or if not the best teams 
at getting after the quarterback. So the matchup in that regard, unless the Miami Dolphins, Lincoln, find some magic potion that's going to improve that offensive line in a hurry, that's a matchup that I think the Raiders are going to be able to take advantage of. Well, they're going to have to establish the run. The Dolphins are going to try to come and establish the run, take the pressure off the quarterback, be more run-oriented, you know, guys like Miles Gaskin and running back and crew, and, and then using maybe even using the short passes to that, to that effect, getting the ball out of his hand because, as you mentioned, that pass rush is potent. And if you learn from that Buffalo game, they, could, they had trouble holding up at the point. So that's usually when you get back to the basics, when you're struggling on one uh, facet of your, of, of your team, uh, you get back to the basics and you try to run the ball. That's, that's sort of everyone's theory. So um, we haven't really seen the Raiders tested because obviously the Ravens, you know, had their running backs hurt. We did see some breakdowns in the, during the game once or twice, even in the Steeler game. Yeah, you remember that Najee Harris had like, had like a 14-yard run where it looked mm-hmm. like they had him dead to rights in the backfield. Um, it comes to mind. But, but for the most part, the run game has really been shut down against the Raiders. They've done a good job at taking that aspect away and making them one-dimensional. And they're going to be challenged this week as well with the Dolphins. Yeah, before we get out of here um – Speaking of now Allegiant Stadium coming back home, it, it's just really interesting to me. I can feel and sense, um, you know, the uh, the excitement among Raider fans and Raider Nation right now that they finally kind of have a, uh, a a team that they can truly believe in. At least early on, they're showing tendencies that good teams show. So I think Raider Nation, frankly, Lincoln, is fired up to now play its role and you've been in stadiums we've talked about this where home field becomes a true advantage a 12th person a 12th player on the field uh, if you will and for if Allegiant Stadium can get to that point along with a good team on the field it could be lethal and I get the sense Lincoln maybe you do too that Raider fans are like we want to be a part of that we want to be- play our role in that and so I'm anxious to see what kind of crowd is going to be there at at, uh, at Allegiant on Sunday, coming off the two big wins. I'm hoping that they're chomping at the bit. I mean, when the Raiders played Minnesota a couple of years ago in Minnesota, that was a definitive home field advantage. That place was loud. And it's very similar to st- design between Minnesota Stadium and Allegiant. Well, the same people did it, um, uh, built both of them. Um, and I think it's going to be a d- definite advantage once the fans get in there and they enjoy it. And more importantly, the Raider Nation will feel as home at home. If you haven't been there, you need to get there because it is home. It is the Raiders. It is something that, that they did for you to, to celebrate them. And it is really a wonderful stadium. Before we get out of here, Mitch, real quick, what do you got, buddy? Do we still have Mitch in New Jersey? Mitch in New no Jersey, Mitch. give us give us a call tomorrow. Uh, we'll get you on first uh, if you're able to call. Uh, sorry about that. We were just running up against it. Want to say thanks to Paul Gutierrez for joining us in the huddle. Want to say thank you to Demon Cotton for doing everything that he does always. Want to say thanks to you, Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, always you got appreciate it, brother. That. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. Want to say thank you to Embajador Tequila uh, for everything that they do. Don't forget Saturday five o'clock over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill. Let's get together. Uh, Let's talk Raider football, NFL football. Let's watch some college football games. Let's listen to some great music, uh, have some great food and some great drinks. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's the tradition, uh, the day before home games uh, with the Raiders. Just a chance just to hang out. That's what we all like to do, right? Uh, So we'll see you Friday at, uh, or excuse me, Saturday at 
uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill. And Friday, I will be over at the Treasure Island, uh, the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Grill over at uh, the Treasure Island. We'll check you guys out tomorrow. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Thank you.